0: Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff Brown. I'm Colin Davenport. And we have a big announcement. We have finally decided on a name for this podcast. We are going to be calling ourselves Changing the Game podcast in honor of how these players are changing the way the sport of basketball is played and hopefully how we ourselves are changing how this sport is covered. All right, let's get right into it, shall we? First, we've got to recap some big news that has happened in the WNBA. We are going to start with trader, Bill Lambeer, pulling off what has to be the biggest steal in WNBA trade history. If you listen to our last podcast, you know that he acquired Shoni Schimmel for a second round pick. He has topped himself with that in a surprise move. The New York Liberty traded their 2017 first round pick, which is likely to be late in the draft, in exchange for last year's second overall pick, Amanda Zowie B, and get this, a second round pick from Dallas which means essentially Bill Lambier has acquired Shoni Schimmel and Amanda B in exchange for the 10th to 12th pick in the 2017 draft. If I get the chance, I will ask how he is able to pull off trades like this because they are mind-boggling one-sided deals for him in New York. Now getting into the meat of the season, the 20th season is underway and it started with Diana Taurasi returning to the league and hitting the first shot of the 20th year of the WNBA. Her thunder though was stolen by Maya Moore who answered Taurasi. Moore finished that opening game with 27 points, 10 assists. She did have 4 fouls and 2 turnovers. But she by far outplayed Tarasi, who finished with 18 points, 6 assists, 3 steals, but had 5 turnovers and 4 fouls herself. Minnesota won that game 95-76, proving that they are, quite and possibly still, the team to beat. Even though they might be getting older, they're still deadly. Back over to Jeff to talk about a player he brought up in the first podcast we ever did, Tiffany Mitchell.
1: During that first podcast, we had talked about, I was surprised that Tiffany Mitchell had actually dropped so much in the WNBA draft. Some of the mock drafts had her as like a top three pick, and she went all the way down to ninth, selected by Indiana Fever. And in her first game, she impressed quite a bit. She had 18 points on seven to 10 shooting, very efficient, scoring a ton of points, and looks like she's going to be a great pickup for a team that made the WNBA finals last season.
0: Dallas, however, would win that game in Indiana 90 79 to secure their first victory as the Dallas Wings. Speaking of that franchise and the already covered trade of Amanda Zowie B., the next game for Dallas was against New York, and Zowie B did not disappoint playing against her former team. She put up 10 points, was 2 for 2 from the floor, and 6 for 6 from the line as New York beat Dallas in Madison Square Garden 79 71. On that note, we come to attendance. The opening night average between the two first days of the WNBA season for the league was 9,192. Washington led all franchises with 11,579 announced attendance. LA had 10,591 and New York had 10,120. That is three teams getting over 10,000 fans into the building for opening night. Speaking of growing the game, Jeff has some exciting news about advanced statistics coming into the WNBA.
1: Yeah, there's some big announcement where they say that starting in the 2016 season the WNBA.com, will produce advanced box scores for all games advanced box scores include such categories as player impact estimate effective field goal percentage true shooting percentage defensive rating usage percentage and assist to turnover ratio and the box scores will be available on wnba.com shortly after each game this was actually something that sue bird had asked for in her really amazing article from the players tribune called analyze this where she was talking about the need for more advanced stats in the WNBA, you know, compared to the men's games that have all these, and the WNBA is kind of lacking in that. So it's great to see that we're getting more advanced stat coverage now.
0: And one final little note from WNBA league-wide news. Uh, Adidas, who is still for this season the official a clothing partner of the WNBA, is releasing a WNBA themed shoe. It is a WNBA version of the Crazy Light 2.5. It features the orange basketball colorway and also includes an insole with the WNBA logo and 20th anniversary season on the inside of the shoe. It's a small thing, but it's really cool to see that you can actually buy a WNBA themed shoe. The sneaker community is a huge, huge part of athletic culture. And to finally see something on the market that was actually available to fans is a really cool development. You're one of the few people who do follow the sneaker game. One of the most sought-after shoes is Diana Taurasi's player-exclusive LeBron shoes, and Maya Moore, uh, her Jordans, fetch up to $2,000 on eBay when she auctions them for charity, as those are also player-exclusives. They're highly collectible. So to see something that's available, hopefully, in a general release for fans to get their hands on is a really cool development. Now we're gonna move on to our first ever mention of college basketball. We are in Seattle, and if you are here, you know that the University of Washington just appeared in their first ever Final Four. We have some big, big news revolving around that team's future. As you know, or you may not know, Adia Barnes, of course, Seattle storm forward on the 2004 championship team and former color commentator, took over as the head coach at Arizona. She was, of course, formerly with UW as an assistant coach. Fred Castro, the associate head coach this past two seasons, took over the head coaching job at Eastern Michigan, so he is also gone. The UW is looking to fill those voids right now, and I'm sure Mike Neighbors will come up with a great solution to those vacancies. Regarding the actual team on the floor, huge news breaking Monday night. Natalie Romeo of Nebraska has committed verbally to Mike Neighbors in the University of Washington. Romeo was the 58th best player ranked in the class of 2014 by ESPNW. Last season with Nebraska she averaged 16 points per game and is known as a three point sniper. She will definitely be a necessary addition especially moving forward with the losses due to graduation of Alexis Atchley. On top of that she is petitioning the NCAA to be able to play next season at UW without having to redshirt so we will keep an eye on what happens. With that further news, though, regarding the UW, two McDonald's All Americans are considering UW here as last minute signees. First is Lindsay Corsaro, she is ranked as the 35th overall best player by ESPNW in the class of 2016. Along with her comes the big news that Sabrina Ionescu, the fourth ranked player on ESPNW's list for the class of 2016, has narrowed her final two college choices to Oregon. Or Washington. Ionescu was AAU teammates with Natalie Romeo, that might play into it however Inescu's brother is on the men's basketball team at Oregon so we will have to wait till roughly the second week of June for her to actually make an announcement but with those two brings the potential that there could be five All-Americans on the University of Washington women's team next year.
1: And uh, we just want to add in a big congratulations to Mike Navers on signing that extension.
0: Second year in a row, and it's well-deserved. He is now, I believe, through 22-23 season. What he has done to transform this program, starting as an assistant, helping to develop Jasmine Davis and Kelsey Plum, recruiting Kelsey Plum, uh, and then becoming the head coach. He's taking the team from the WNIT to the first round of the NCAA tournament to the Final Four in his three years as head coach, and is on the verge of having five McDonald's All-Americans commit to his program, which is just an unbelievable... I mean, that's an unbelievable resume for 20 years in in the game. He's had three as a head coach. Yeah, he's doing an incredible job out there. Absolutely deserves everything that he is getting. Amazing person, a great coach, and does a lot to help grow the game and grow the popularity of women's basketball. All right, with that, we have concluded our news not related to the Storm. I will now throw it back over to Jeff to recap the Storm's second preseason game.
1: Yeah, so as we were recording that last podcast, it was in the middle of the second preseason game, but now that it's over... on the good news, we can announce that the Storm won if you hadn't checked that out yet. They won 76-70 to 70 down in Phoenix. You know, they lost the first game at home against Phoenix. They won this one, so that was good. Brianna Stewart did not play in that game because she was back at UConn for her graduation ceremony. Alicia Clark had led the team with 20 points, which would have been a career high had this been a regular season game, um, but it's great to see you know Alicia scoring more. and We know she's got that capability and so it's good to see that. Jewel Lloyd flirted with a triple-double. She had nine points, eight assists, and six rebounds. I believe that eight assists would have also been a career high had this been a regular season game. And then, kind of, is looking at the competition um, for those final roster spots. Blake Dietrich had a pretty good game. She had seven points, including two of three from three point range, and she also had two assists and one turnover. You know, Lexi struggled again with her shooting. She had just four points, including zero for two and three point percentage. Uh, she actually got the most minutes. I think you know they wanted to give her a long look, and uh, you know she did. Didn't quite meet the expectations that they were hoping for. I know she talked a lot about nerves uh, for that first preseason game, so she might still have been dealing with some of that. And uh, Angel Goodrich had two points, and she did have the five assists, which is really good. You know, not much of a score, but if you're looking for that pure point guard distributor, obviously she did a really good job there.
0: So we wanted to really recap. Last week, Jeff and I made our final roster projections, and – if you listen to that last podcast, I said they would likely keep Rydalsch as their final slot, but I believed they should keep Blake Dietrich. In a way, I was wrong because they did not keep Rydalsch, But and I'm very happy that they did keep Dietrich. The reason why, I don't believe it's just because of how Dietrich performed in the two preseason games versus Rydalsch. I think it just comes down to the Storm's roster is so loaded, and we discussed this last week as well, it's just so loaded with shooting guards. And Rydalsch has said she is not a point guard, she's only a shooting guard. So she's running into a team that has Jewel Lloyd, Kalina Muscada-Lewis, Jenna O'Hay, and Monica Wright all in front of her. Meanwhile, the Storm really wanted to shore up that point guard position. As you know, if you watched the team last year, Sue would sit out the second of a back-to-back, would sometimes have to rest games, and you need somebody who can step in and run that position. I talked about how Dietrich's size is a huge advantage she has over Angel Goodrich. And also, her three-point shooting ability is much higher than Goodrich's. That just lets you spread the floor a little bit if you're in a situation where it's garbage time and the game is out of hand either in your favor or against your favor. This either can get you back in the game or can keep the other team from getting back in the game when you're running your developing players. It just helps if you can say, here's an open three, hit it or you can run the offense through her. You know what you're gonna get from Dietrich. She's very fundamentally sound. She went to Princeton. She's obviously got a high basketball IQ and she's gonna fit in really well learning behind Sue Bird. She's not gonna have to give her really a ton of minutes. If any minutes, she's gonna be satisfied this year just being on the team and improving. And then next year, I'm sure she's gonna come full force and fight for minutes that are going to become available as that roster develops. So I believe that's why she made the team over Rydalsh. If the Storm had one fewer shooting guards, I think Rydalsh makes the team. Uh, And I think if you had two more teams in this league, Rydalsh and a bunch of other players, of course, would have a spot on those rosters. She is a very good player, and I do expect to see her in the WNBA in the near future.
1: Yeah, and I think I want to start off by apologizing to Jenna O'Hay. I had uh, I'd actually picked uh, Rydalch to take a roster spot over her. It was a little bit of a shot in the dark, but the, you know the storm seemed to be pretty high on her, really promoting her quite a bit, which was a bit unusual for a third round pick because we know how difficult it is to make a team as a third round pick. Um, but you know she gave it a good shot. Didn't quite work out this time, like Colin said. I'm sure she'll she'll be back on her feet soon enough. I had actually taken uh, Angel Goodrich over blake that was more the way my line of thinking was was that you know angel had the experience in the system the prior year um she is more of that true pure point guard um but you know her size i think does limit her um both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball blake definitely is seems like she has more potential in the score as well as distribute so i think that's probably why they went with blake instead of angel to recap the final roster really quick Sue Bird, jewel lloyd brianna stewart hawk keisha gatling kalina Mosqueda lewis abby bishop jenna ohey monica wright alicia clark crystal lanehorn and blake dietrich now we're going to recap the, the first storm regular season game
0: do we have to? <laughs> <All> <laughs> yeah, right. It was painful. It was The first half was especially painful. I kind of hate to say this, but I have been watching this team since 2002, so forgive me that I was not really paying attention the first two years when I was... 10 and 11 years old but it was the worst half of basketball I've seen the team play a lot of it comes down to just the inexperience of them playing together it's not even the inexperience of the players as individuals it's just their inexperience running together and playing together on the bright side the two young number one picks showed out Brianna Stewart had 23 points in her debut on 9 for 13 shooting she also contributed 6 rebounds 2 steals and a block Jewel Lloyd not to be outdone or forgotten, put up 20 points of her own with 5 assists. This was, however, countered by a very, very motivated Candace Parker. Uh, as most of you will know by now, Candace Parker was left off the final Team USA roster, seemingly in favor of Brianna Stewart. Parker wasted no time making her case for why she should be on that team over Stewart. She finished the game with 34 points on 12 for 20 shooting, 3 for 6 from 3. 7 for 10 from the line, had 4 assists and 3 steals to go along with it. There was no stopping her in the first half. She finished the first half with 21 points by herself. The Storm had 26 as a team. There was no coming back from that first half deficit. They were down at half 51 to 26. The game ended with a 96-66 to 66 victory for LA. The big, big thing to look at in this though, the three youngest players on this Storm roster who are in the rotation, Stewart, Lloyd, and Kalina moscada lewis combined for 50 of the team's 66 points. 10 of the 11 players who were available that day on the roster played. The only one who did not was Blake Dietrich. Jenna Ohay was still over in France winning a French national championship, was not available. 10 of 11 players played, 7 veterans, that includes Sue Bird, Crystal Langhorne, Ramuto kashki combined to have 16 points. To put in perspective how bad it was in the first half, Sue Bird, who combined men's and women's basketball, you are arguing which one is the top point guard of all time, she is in the top 4, you can put her anywhere in that you want, 1-4. through four. Got an 8 second backcourt violation. LA ran a lot of full court press, which is unusual to do that consistently in the WNBA. It's much more of a college and high school level tactic, but it was working. Agler knew that, obviously he knows the storm very well, but to watch Sue Bird get an eight second count was so mind blowing that nobody in the arena seemed to be able to believe it. The announcers certainly couldn't believe it, and I couldn't believe it. The announcers actually had to check with the referees and make sure that's what would happen. They thought somebody had fouled somebody. It's unheard of that Sue Bird cannot get the ball across half court fast enough. So So that's how bad it was. The third quarter, the Storm did go off. They scored 25 points in that quarter. Again, they had 26 in the whole first half, but it just was too little too late. The fourth quarter, they sort of went back to their first half ways. There was just no getting past what Parker had in for them. She was out for blood and she got it. So the biggest issue in this game for the Storm was turnovers. They had 20. Four. Yeah, you can't turn the ball over that much. That that's just terrible. You you have no chance of winning. I actually tweeted out at the end of the first quarter, or in part of the first quarter, that if the storm could keep their turnovers down, they'd win this game. But that the seven they had at that point in the first quarter was not going to cut it. LA, on the other hand, only had 10 as a team. There's no way you're going to win with that situation. Neka Agumake for LA finished with 13.7 rebounds. Christy Tolliver had 14 points, 4 assists. It was a nightmare to watch in that first half especially. And I think it just depends, you
1: know, the bright side you can look at it is definitely the core... You know, that's going to be the future of this franchise is Stewie and Lloyd and, you know, possibly to a lesser extent, Musketa Lewis. Those are the three players that had the best games. So for a future, you know, several years uh, down the road here, those are probably the players that they're going to be relying upon. And so it's great to see that they all played quite well. But, yeah, to see the veterans with such a lack of scoring and too many turnovers Uh – that's just that's not going to cut it. They are going to need those veterans to pick up their game and play a lot better moving forward, especially if they want a chance at making the playoffs this season.
0: Yeah, I mean to put it in perspective, some weird things in that game. Monica Wright, who has been dominant in practice, obviously championship experience, great player. She played six minutes and 51 seconds, shot two shots, was one for two, had two points. Crystal Langhorn. Last year's leading scorer and led the league in field goal percentage. She did shoot 100% from the floor, one for one, in 17 minutes. Grabbed five rebounds, had two fouls, and five turnovers. And the biggest surprise to me was Ramutso Okashki only played 11 minutes, scored one point. She's a player who, as you all know, is definitely a big piece of this franchise moving forward. So to see her play that few minutes is really interesting. And it's going to be interesting to see how they can bring in Jenna O'Hay if they can't even find minutes for Monica Wright right now. How are you going to fit in another shooting guard?
1: Yeah, and with Talk, it's going to be really interesting to see where they play her, how much minutes they play her because you know, she had obviously an outstanding rookie season. I think she was maybe like third in scoring for all rookies. Um, obviously Jewel being number 1, and she started a ton of games last year as well. Mm-hmm. We kind of thought she at least I did, I know, uh thought that she might be in the starting lineup even with Stewie. I did too. That was not the case. She did not start the game and then yeah, to... To not even play close to starters minutes, I mean, only 11 minutes, is that's not nearly as much as what she was playing last season. So that's going to be interesting to see if they're just basically, now that they have Stewie, they're going to primarily play her and, and not play talk. Or if this was just a lineup thing in this specific game against the Sparks. Definitely something to keep an eye out on.
0: So, wrapping up this podcast, we are going to give you our league-wide predictions. Now, Jeff and I differ on this and disagree a little bit. We have some in common, some are slightly different. So, I'm going to let Jeff go first, and then I will follow up, and we can say why we picked each team, or we can just go and give the list and let everybody decide for themselves. Hmm. So, uh, just a quick
1: heads up, um, obviously, I think most should be aware by now that the league is changing so it's really no longer east versus west um it's no longer the four best teams in the west and the four best teams in the east making the playoffs it's actually just the eight best teams of the 12 team league that'll be making the playoffs and so that obviously kind of changes a lot of things, but for my ranking, I'm just going to do them in order from 1 to 12. I have Minnesota Lynx as number 1, Phoenix Mercury 2, Chicago Sky as 3, New York Liberty as 4, Los Angeles Sparks as 5, Indiana Fever as 6, Dallas Wings as 7, Connecticut Sun as 8, Washington Mystics at 9, Seattle Storm at 10, the Atlanta Dream at 11, and the San Antonio Stars at
0: 12. All right, so for me, Jeff and I both agree, Minnesota is the team to beat. Obviously they're cutting off a championship year. They have four of the 12 players on Team USA in their starting lineup. They've got the pedigree, they know how to play. So that's my pick for number one. Number two, I am going with Chicago. I'm never going to bet against Elena Deladon if she's healthy. They're going to be my pick for second. Third is New York. Again, what Bill Ambeer has managed to acquire and trade somewhat makes up for the loss of Epiphany Prince in the backcourt. Now he's got ridiculous size with Tina Charles, Kia Stokes, and Amanda Zowie B in the frontcourt. And fans who do not know, they will be re-signing Swin Cash. She is not out of the league permanently. It was a move done to stay under the salary cap when they acquired Zowie B they will be cutting a different player and bringing Swin back in that is the rumor the date is supposed to be May 24th if that's true she will be in Seattle for New York's one game here this season back to my list number four I have Phoenix I would have had Phoenix higher but they of course got throttled by Minnesota in that first game losing 95 76 and I can't put them higher than that right now we'll see they, I mean, that's the thing with this league. It's so deep that anybody could be number one and anybody could be all the way down at eight there in the playoff race. Number five, I have LA. We saw what they did against us. Again, they've got to go up against that depth we've already talked about. Six is Dallas. If we get to see Skylar Diggins, she's been sitting out the first couple games, still recovering from that knee injury, but she is expected to be back at a full 100%. And Glory Johnson is still serving her suspension from last season that she was unable to serve due to her pregnancy. When they're both back, that team is completely loaded. They're already one and one without those two players. So it's going to be fun to see what they do. Indiana is my pick at seven. Again, you don't bet against Tamika Catchings making the playoffs. Number eight, I have Connecticut. They have so much talent on that roster. We just have to see if it'll mesh together. Number nine, I have your Seattle Storm. I have been saying since about February that Seattle is either going to be the last team in the playoffs or the first team out. I believe they're going to be the first team out this year. They're going to win between 14 and 16 games. I do believe they're going to win 16. You can quote me on that. That is my bet. 16 wins for the Storm this year, but they're going to miss the playoffs. Number 10 is Washington. Number 11 is Atlanta, who seems to be in full rebuild mode now. And number 12 is San Antonio.
1: Yeah, it'll be really fascinating to see how these all pan out. I mean, I I want to believe that the Storm can make the playoffs this year, and I think that really will depend on, you know, how much the young team can gel and how quickly they have the talent, but... You know, this is a deep league that, you know, all team, all 12 teams, you know, outside of maybe San Antonio are, uh, are pretty, really good teams. And so, you know, it'll be tough to, to break into that top eight this year. Uh, But you never know, so we'll see.
0: Yep, this league is very deep. Uh, It's definitely time, and I know the league was at least thinking about expansion, but that's a topic for another podcast. We are going to wrap up this one right here and now. You will have a bonus podcast coming your way to make up for us being late on the release of this. Stay tuned for that. It will be coming a little bit later this week, and we will see you all later on Changing the Game. Thank you, guys. See you.